Hello, everyone, and welcome. My name is Jeff Ekstrom, and I am the Nebraska Volleyball Beat Writer for Inside Nebraska on nebraska.rivals.com. I hope everyone is enjoying their summer as we're getting to the midpoint of July. So we're still in off-season mode, but the countdown is underway for fall camp. That begins at the end of July, and it should be very intriguing. But today, instead of that, we're talking recruiting a staple of John Cook's program who's been able to recruit at a level that is, to be honest, quite rarely seen at any sport, let alone volleyball. Since we're chatting about recruiting, I thought I'd invite someone who knows a little more about that. Austin Kingsley is a reporter for Prep Dig, covering Nebraska as well as the national scene. Austin, how's it going, my man? It's going well. How are you? I am doing good. I'm excited. I'm sitting down with you. Let's talk some recruiting, Nebraska specifically. But what's been going on with you? It's like you just got done with nationals that wrapped in Chicago. We were talking a little bit beforehand, 14, 15 hour days, busy times going on for you. Yeah, it's been a big flurry of activity. And, um, you know, obviously in Chicago for several days for the USAV nationals. And then you have to think about a lot of teams were just doing the AAU nationals in Orlando right before that. So, um, it's always a busy stretch, and I think, you know, we all just kind of exhale at this time of year and, you know, take stock in the full season, which started way back in January, and for some teams a little bit earlier than that. Than that. So it's, you know, it's it's been intense, and we're, you know, kind of taking stock in, in what we've seen so far. I mean, you get an interesting perspective because you're covering the future of the sport, and obviously the sport has taken a big growth spurt in the last few years. And I think that showed out at Chicago. I mean, how much are you seeing the sport just explode? It's it's a lot. I mean, we have so many more divisions than we had, you know, several years ago. Um, you think about the scale of what we saw at Chicago, where um, you had 100 courts running at the same time. And that was just for a couple of age groups at the same time where you have several other brackets of age groups. Chicago just had 14s through 17s. And then you have to look at Minneapolis, which hosted um, the 12s and 13s. And it's, you know, the the depth of talent is is just exploding to where you have division one coaches looking all the way down the division ladder where you maybe not may not have seen that um, a few years ago. And so um, I think it's going to add to the parity both in the club side as well as college, and it makes the recruiting battles that much more interesting too. Well, Nebraska has been in plenty of recruiting battles as they've been getting under their feet to try and put together a class of 2025, which of course, last month, June 15th, that opened up the recruiting period. And we're going to talk about this Nebraska Volleyball 2025 class. They have three commitments right now, but they have five total open spots with this class set to replace the five current juniors on the current roster. Uh, but we're just going to go down the list, talk about these prospects and what they bring um, to this Nebraska team who is hoping to win a couple of national titles before these recruits even get on to campus. Uh, but first, we'll start with the first commit that the Huskers received, and that would be Campbell Flynn. She represents the future of the setter position. Uh, according to PrepDig, number five overall recruit, number one setter in the class, I mean, Austin, just give us a quick rundown. What does she bring to the table? Yeah, um, I think Campbell is probably in a list of three or four what you would call elite setters nationally. Um, it's a pretty exclusive group for the class of 2025. 
um, comes from Michigan, um, from Legacy, and I know Nebraska's been hitting that connection hard up in um, in Michigan and with Legacy specifically, especially with with Harper Murray coming in from the 2023 class. It's the same club, um, and I know Nebraska is going to look down the line at at other athletes that are coming through the Legacy program as well with uh, the class of 2026. So, landing Flynn, I think, helps sort of establish that connection even further. Um, but for her specifically, um, physicality is, is a big plus with her, um, a true six foot two. Um, so she's not going to be a, a blocking liability. Um, and the other thing, she's left-handed. And I think that's a big thing for setters where, um, you know, setters always have the right shoulder at the net. And so if you can, um, if you're in that position and you can attack with your dominant hand on the other side of your body and the left side, um, that's a serious advantage that that coaches really covet. Um, and so she uses that to her, her advantage a lot. You know, you can um, pretty much expect her to rack up her share of kills per match. Um, she's the kind of player that can can drop a triple double um, in that regard. Um, she's, you know, uh, super aggressive in that regard, but also um, with forcing her middles. And I think she's. Um, what sets her apart is her aggressiveness in getting the ball to her middles, even when she's pulled off the net. Um, she makes, you know, the risky sets, but she makes them work. Um, and I think her ability to tie that all together um, is what the staff was really looking at when when they recruited her. And, um, you know, she's going to be a, a big addition to the program. I like your point there about the middles because I think that specifically was a problem for Nebraska this last season um, and with the type of talent that's coming in that's already here, Andy Jackson, and then, of course, Aiden Ames, who's going to be coming in next season as well. You have that combination that I think they really like with her ability to set the middles there, and that was a problem this last year. So I think you're starting to see them react to what happened this last year, um, not only the middles, but you look at her height. Uh, yeah. I mean, Kennedy Orr was six feet. Ani Evans was, I think, under six feet. And then, of course, Nicola Hames was under six feet as well. You're starting to go back to that prototypical six foot two, taller setter who, like Kelly Hunter, as an example, uh, who, of course, led the Nebraska of those national titles in the mid 2010s. I think you can kind of see the comparison there between Campbell and Kelly and just the way they're built and the way they play. Yeah. And, you know, I think. A, a setter of her stature um, is a bit rare where um, especially at the club level where if you have someone six foot two, you usually just plug them in on the outside. They're, they're big, they're physical, they can score. Um, and, uh, you know, you look at her high school team and Campbell's playing a lot of opposite and attacking on the pin. Um, but, you know, it takes a lot out of an athlete, especially someone that tall to move around and, you know, chase down some balls that are passed off the net and still distribute an offense. And I think that's what makes Campbell special is her ability to to do that and still bring all the physical traits that a, a coach would want. And we look at it big picture. It's a good situation for her because, I mean, obviously she could have chosen to go to a place maybe where she might have started right away. More than likely, she'll be the backup to Bergen Riley, uh, but there's a long way till then but that's the assumption right now but it's a good situation for her to come and learn and then take over when that time comes yeah and you know especially uh cook's philosophy you know he doesn't start a lot of freshman setters um of course that may be an anomaly this year depending on how the setter battle works out but um i think 
being able to uh, train a setter in the system that they have and as well as develop their blocking skills, which, you know, at the club level is a lot more tame than what you would see at the college level where you have all these experienced technical physical blockers that um, can really challenge club uh, and prep players when they're when they're coming to the next level. So um, I think having that time to sort of develop it, um, even though she has the traits, it's sort of developing the technique and, and what they want to see out of their out of their blockers and their front row players, I think is going to help a lot. I'll say that was my next question. How much do you anticipate that learning curve for blocking? I mean, considering she played on the pin, she has that experience, maybe blocking more than the typical setter. But I mean, where do you imagine how much of a learning curve that's going to be? Yeah, it's it's a lot. Um, you know, I think it's sort of a, a thing where if you're really physical and and tall, you can sort of just kind of make up your own blocking technique and just take over based on physicality. You know, you're touching higher than a lot of the people you're facing. And so you kind of can just ad lib it and get away with it sometimes. Um, the college level is a lot less forgiving. And um, you have coaches that are really dead set on their technique um, to where they have different footwork, um, different, you know, eye work technique that um, is sort of, I don't want to say like relearning how to block, but it's, it's training um, to their style and every coach does it different. And so I know that Nebraska will want to, to mold um, the blocking and, and sort of adhere to what they want from their, their blockers. But I know she already has the physical traits um, to be a good blocker. And so that is definitely what they're looking for on the recruiting trail. Well, it seems like they have the center position locked down for the next few years. And one more quick note on that. That was a direct win for Nebraska over Texas in that recruitment, which I think many Husker fans will be happy to hear that, um, which interestingly enough. But it was just a few days later that Nebraska got their second commit of the class to fill out the defensive defensive specialist uh, libero role. And that would be Lincoln Lutheran's Carrie Leinbach, number 39 overall recruit and number sixth um, in her position. Austin, I mean, She's in Nebraska. You've seen her a lot. She's led Lincoln Lutheran to back-to-back -to -back state titles and has been one of the best players in the state. What does she bring to the table? Yeah, you know, I when she committed, I remember thinking back to 2021 in November when she was the freshman libero for Lincoln Lutheran and competing in the state tournament. And, you know, seeing her in the Devaney Center just felt right. You know, it was kind of one of those things where um, – it, it just felt like it was going to be her future. Um, and she has a lot of family ties to, you know, playing volleyball in Nebraska. Um, so I think she's the kind of player who, you know, can take over a leadership role and, and do it at a very high level. Um, you know, she's not really intimidated by the big stages, finished, uh, you know, a podium finish in, in 16 Open at, at Junior Nationals last week. Um, you know, which is just a huge accomplishment for her Nebraska one team. Um, and of course, with Lincoln Lutheran, um, you know, I mentioned the freshman season where she bursts onto the scene and, and wins a state title, but then elevates her game even more as a sophomore and Lincoln Lutheran goes 40 and up in, in route to another state title. So, um, you know, the passing and defensive skills are all there, I think. Um, the other thing you have to look at with a libero is secondary setting. You know, can you take over the second contact and 
out of system, put your hitters in a good spot. And she does that perfectly, um, both in the high school and, and club venues. And, um, you know, she's obviously been on the radar with the coaching staff for a long time with how much of an early impact she's made on the Nebraska prep scene. And it's even more important for Nebraska to land those, those in-state kids that, you know, keep them, keep them in state and, you know, don't have to play against them. You just have them on your side of the net. And I think that's, you know, a big part of how hard they push for Leinbach. I mean, I saw her in 2021 during her freshman year. I watched her play a couple times in Lutheran for districts. And I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that she's an unreal player. And just the, yeah. and especially 2021 when she just burst onto the scene, like you said, she was unreal. Um, and just kind of, I guess, going back and just the overview of now this DS Libro position, Lainey Choboy and Olivia Mouch is going to be there when she arrives on campus. In fact, she'll be two years of NIL and then two years of scholarship, uh, just so you know as well. But how do you evaluate that group? Because obviously when she arrives on campus, they're going to be replacing Lexi Rodriguez, which is uh, no easy task, uh, I have to say. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you look at uh, Rodriguez's departure, which obviously will be big. She'll be end up being a, a three-time captain um, and you know probably a, a Team USA pipeline player. Um, but then on the other side, you look at the the triple threat that they're going to have with with Choboy taking over the libero role, and then obviously the two uh, in-state DSs, and it's it's one of those things where you kind of figure out how you're going to make that work with substitutions. But um, at the same time, Nebraska is the kind of program that that prides themselves on uh, getting the most out of their defense, and you know who's going to you know serve and serve and, and defend the best is, is going to be the starting lineup. Um, and I think that'll probably end up being some combination of those three. Um, and it just, you know, it just makes it even better that it's, it's two local kids contributing in that regard. So, um, you know, it's, it's a big future and obviously big shoes to fill, but I think they're going to be able to do it successfully. Nebraska was her first recruiting call at 12.02 a.m. <laughs> that she told me. So Nebraska was right on it, and she chose over schools like Ohio State, Northwestern, Vanderbilt, these smart schools uh, with high academic uh, standards. She'll be majoring in business when she arrives on campus. But, I mean, Austin, you've seen her play a lot. What's the best trait um, that she has right now? You know, she's a she's a vocal leader. She's the kind of player that, you know, a team can rally around. She's not afraid to, you know, tell her teammates, you know, this is where I want you in the serve receive pattern. And um, I think the other thing that that goes into that too is I look at the Nebraska one club team she plays for, and you know, I usually start covering um, athletes at the 15s level or freshman year of high school. The same thing and. You also have to look back at, you know, Linebacker and that core group for Nebraska one, they've been playing with each other since they were nine. So, you know, it's sort of a thing where Linebach embraces the team culture, um, can embrace, you know, her teammates and um, be a valuable leader in the backcourt. Um, and of course, all the, you know, the tangible skills are there, the, the passing defense and, and reading opposing hitters. Um, but I think what she brings um, as a leader 
and her confidence and her competitive spirit. You know, she's clearly the kind of, of player who hates to lose. Um, and we see that every time, you know, we see big stages like the one that was in Chicago. Um, so I think her experience in just being there in the big moment and, you know, not being rattled and, you know, being the, the confident face in the huddle, I think it's going to, you know, be huge. And it, it's especially huge, you know, when you get that kind of uh, leadership from your Bayero. Yeah, throw her in there with Lainey Choboy, who's already very talkative. That's going to be... absolutely. There's going to be so many, like, lie, like quotes just from them on the court. They're going to need to, like, mic all of them up if they're on the court. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> She's also teammates with Natalie Wardlow, Wisconsin middle mm-hmm. blocker commit. Nebraska also targeted her, but they didn't have a scholarship to offer her with already a lot of middles on the roster. Uh, but moving on to the third and last commit currently for Nebraska, and that is number six overall recruit and number four outside hitter, Terea Sigler. Six foot two from Scottsdale, Arizona, so a little far off. Uh, but Austin, uh, what do you like about her first outside hitter in the class? And she'll she'll replace one of the three hitters that are leaving um after the 2024 season. Yeah, it's fitting that we're you know right in the wake of Chicago because she took over. I mean, she's you know 16 open MVP. Her Arizona team, Arizona Storm team, won uh, another open championship. Um, and you look all the way down the line um, where, you know, back in 2021, when she was 14, her Arizona Storm team won an open championship there, finished second last year. First this year, Sigler's the MVP again. Um, you know, there are a few hitters in the 2025 class who, who hit a heavier ball. Um, in other words, you know, an opposing defender can be just right in the right spot, do everything right and have the platform set. And it's just still undiggable. You know, we were joking, you know, in Chicago about the pace of play for Arizona Storm being so slow because, you know, the the dig attempts off Sigler just, you know, shank balls into opposing courts and you have to go fetch them. Um, so that's that's kind of, you know, the struggle of playing against her. And um, I think she, you know, similar to Leinbach, the the competitive fire, the will to win, especially on big stages like nationals and you know she's essentially become the face of her age group in the open division um, at nationals because arizona storm and sigler will always show up and you know there was there was no doubt if arizona storm won that that she was going to be the mvp and she was and it was it was just an extraordinary performance from somebody who's developed six rotations you know can pass hit out of the pipe and you know, that translated her into her being, you know, a part of Team USA in the under 19s. And so um, having that experience, I think, is another big plus to where the Nebraska coaching staff's going to pay attention to that. And obviously they've had her on her on, you know, their radar since before she was in high school and winning 14 U championships. So um, seeing her uh, being targeted and getting that offer, not a huge surprise, probably could have predicted that a couple of years ago, obviously. A couple of their targets they were looking at, but eventually settled on Sigler and, and landed the commit. Arizona Storm is also the same club that produced Lauren Stiffens, All-American middle blocker for Nebraska. And just about her competitiveness, Austin, she's won back-to-back state titles at two different schools in the high school scene. Um, so obviously the pedigree is there. But going back to what you said about just uh, her attacks were just undiggable. 
when you say that, was it because of the location she had, the type of shots she was attacking with? Uh, what was the reason for that? It was it, it's it's her quick arm and and her heavy heat. And you know, in in volleyball parlance, when you when you say that someone hits a heavy ball, it's you know there's sort of a difference between hard and heavy, and heavy kind of uh, entails. A, a ball that's really hard driven, but with flat and no spin. And it just, you know, it just doesn't come off your platform, right? When you try to dig it and it's just going in places you don't expect. Um, so when, when Sigler gets the ball around the block, it was pretty much a sure kill. And you combine that with the, fa with the fact that she's hitting with range, she can hit down the line, she can hit sharp angle. Um, in places where you would never put a corner defender. Um, it's, you know, it's a lot for a team to defend. And, you know, at the club level, you just don't see a sort of mature, hard-hitting hitter like that often. Um, and so it's kind of a, a bit of a shock for a lot of teams. And we saw that a little bit in, in Chicago. And obviously nobody could take her team down uh, throughout the championship run. You have a comparison of her, and maybe not in terms of like where she'll end up being, but like what are the traits she's showing? How would you compare her to another hitter in the college game right now, or maybe someone who graduated or whatnot? What's a comparison for? Would you say? Oh, that's a good one. Um, you know, it would it would kind of sort of invoke um, maybe like a, a Skylar Fields type hitter where. Um, you know, when she gets to college, there will be some sort of, of technical adjustments, um, you know, with her approach and whatnot. Um, but the kind of player who shows the raw potential um, to to really, you know, take over at the college game. And I think that's, you know, sort of, like I said, a Skylar Fields type of mold um, where, you know, she can touch really high hit it hard and, you know, brings a sort of experience at the highest level of club volleyball that I think will translate really well to the next level. And I mean, that's a big get, uh, as mentioned before, three hitters are projected to depart the program. And I mean, based on what you said, that's a player that you can build a class around and build a hitter group around. I mean, how much does her commitment help? Obviously in the fact of replacing those three, but also maybe, trying to get another hitter in the fold yeah um i think for future prospects for sigler specifically um you look at um what the roster is going to have um a lot of it depends on you know the development of players like skylar pierce um and then obviously i think harper murray by that point um should be a, a big mainstay um you know at the l2 position and um and so you kind of have a, a competition going on in 2025 if, if the roster goes chalk to where Pearson and Sigler, two players who have been in the club volleyball spotlight for a while now, um, are pretty much going to vie for that, that other left side hitter spot um, alongside Harper Murray. Um, and I think it also helps um, kind of the, the sort of mantra that we mentioned earlier with Flynn where um, Arizona Storm has a lot of players down the line um, that are going to be, you know, dream team campers in 2026s and 2027s where 
you know, you're establishing that connection um, with Arizona Storm, with their coaches, with their recruiting coordinators, um, to where you can have the inroads um, in future classes to um, sort of land the players who you see coming down the line in, in the later classes. Austin talked about the three recruits coming into the class for Nebraska, Campbell Flynn, Kerry Leinbach, and Terea Sigler. Five departures from the roster after 2024. So two spots to play with here. Um, as we get to the area of August where p- recruits can take official visits, but where does Nebraska go from here in terms of filling those two spots? So I think primarily we're looking at, at right side hitter. Um, I think for a long time, the, the top target here was uh, Abigail Mullen uh, from Dynasty, um, a club teammate of Skylar Pierce, who's a 2024 commit. Um, obviously with Mullen playing up a year um, from the class of 2025, um, you know, has a lot of connections to uh, current players and, and playing with um, uh, Huskers who are on the roster now from Team USA and the, the Pan American games and uh, venues like that. Um, I think it's a, a slower process for her, though, um, just with wanting to take official visits and, and perhaps looking at other schools out west and. Um, obviously, with her older sister um, going to UCLA, there's the possibility that that you know Abigail Mullen ends up in in California as well. Um, so I think if you know if that doesn't pan out, and you know they're looking at other options, um, the big name right now um, in the class of 2025 at the right side hitter spot um, is Ryan Hunter, another player who plays up a year in 17s with Triangle Club from North Carolina, um, was at the Dream Team camp um, over the weekend, um, got a lot of attention from the Nebraska staff um, in Chicago at Junior Nationals and, um, you know, watching her and uh, super dynamic lefty opposite. Um, Obviously, lefty opposites are um, a big deal um at the college level and being able to get that and the different matchups that that presents um and so that's a player to watch i think um it's actually more likely than not that they end up with four commits for the uh 2025 class and sort of um have that be their scholarship allotment for this class and um you know sort of open it up to to future planning whether it's it's the the transfer portal or, or or, you know, offsetting to the class of 2026 and stacking more talent there. Um, I think there's definitely a route to where you can only take four for the 2025s and still feel confident about the roster composition you have moving forward. Yeah, that's a good point, Austin. Looking at the roster that would be in 2025, they have 15 on the roster. In terms of scholarship, they would get away. They would be right at that 12. So there would not really, because Maggie Mendelson presumably will still be on basketball scholarship. Carrie Leinbach mentioned two years of her being on campus will be through NIL. And you're assuming that the first two years will be on NIL. And then when she's upperclassman and starting, she would be on scholarship. Um, and then, of course, uh, Maisie Bosiger would be a senior um, and she would be a walk on. So there you have your 12 limit. Um, and so I think that's smart. And Nebraska doesn't use the transfer portal too often. So they like to be choosy there. Uh, but going back to just the point you talked about 
um, Hunter specifically. Is there any connection with Choboy there, both from North Carolina? Is there any connection? Do you know? Um, they um, are from different clubs. Um, Ryan Hunter plays for Triangle. Uh, Choboy was at NC Academy. Um, it's it's sort of an interesting area that's that's building up from the Carolinas up to the Chesapeake, where um, maybe the staff is trying to to build up a you know a solid foothold there. Um, you know, Hunter's club team has um, a few players who are going to you know end up playing in the Big Ten and and playing against Nebraska. Um, uh, but other than that, it's it's sort of you know trying to build up something regional to where. Um, there have been some some solid attackers to come from that region uh, lately, and I think Nebraska would be would be keen to get you know into that area. And I want to speak on a broader point as well. You talked about Abigail Mullen kind of taking her time in her recruitment. That's not really, and I mean she's a unique prospect in her own right. She's not very active on social media either, but it just doesn't seem like this class specifically isn't committing as fast as past classes. Nine of the top 20 prospects have not committed, which I think is pretty rare than what we've seen in the past. Usually those top prospects just fire off their commitments right away, but they're taking their time. They're making these OVs. Is that where you – do you see this trend continuing down the line, or do you think this is just kind of a unique year in that way? You know, it's hard to say, um, especially with there not being any rules governing um, coaches – you know, telling a a pr prospect during a phone call, you know, I want you to commit by this time, or you know, we're gonna start, you know, exploring other options and and offering other players at your position. Um, I think that's especially prevalent with the big programs where, you know, you have a big board, and you have a very select group of players who you have evaluated to be good enough to play at your your program. And you go down the list and, you know, you can't really afford to wait um, on a player to commit and have everybody else on your board um, go to other schools and then have your number one option maybe not pan out. And so that's sort of the difficult balance that coaches are in right now and in, in them feeling that they have to, you know, give prospects a timeline. Um, so it is surprising to me that. Um, there are still a lot of big names on the board, even though, you know, we've just been through a month of this. It just feels like we've gotten to the point where, you know, it strikes midnight and you're expecting the floodgates to open and players to start committing right away. Um, I think it it could, you know, end up being the trend, but I think there's also perhaps some legislation that would need to go into it. Um, as far as, you know, fixing the process to where, you know, prospects don't feel pressure to commit right away and rather they would take their official visits and, you know, visit campuses. And it all just seems very fast right now for a lot of the athletes. And, um, you know, I, I would think in the next couple of weeks, there's going to be, you know, a lot more of these players in the top echelon going off the board. Well, I mean, just now just taking a view of this entire Nebraska recruiting class, how do you evaluate this class? And I know you don't come out with these permanent rankings, but just first first answer, where would you put this class, rank it maybe, um, if 
for Nebraska as the recruits right now? Um, it's going to end up top five. Um, I think the, the school that made the, the big early splash would be, would be Texas, um, uh, you know, locking down, um, you know, a, an outside hitter who's right in Sigler's tier um, as, as one of the best in the nation. Um, and ironically, the outside hitter that, that Sigler faced off for the 16 Open Championship in, in Chicago. Um, but it, it'll take a little more time to see, you know, where the sort of other programs at the, at the top tier of, of college volleyball start to, to land their prospects. But I think Nebraska has to feel really, really good about where they are and, you know, probably ending up as, as a top three just, you know, based on what we've seen at the prep level, obviously it'll, you know, where it translates in the next level is, is a whole different, a whole different ball game. So. One last question for you, Austin, before you, we let you go, Nebraska, of course, had the dream team camp over the weekend uh, as we kind of shift slowly start to shift our eyes to the 2026 class. Who are some names that you should, Nebraska fans should watch out for in terms of Nebraska targets? Yeah, um, we talked about uh, legacy connections um, with with Campbell Flynn and Harper Murray. I think um, one of the the top prospects is there with uh, Gabby Devita, um, an outside hitter from the class of 2026, who last year played up on 15s with Campbell Flynn, and this year stayed with the 15s. Um, and I think that's going to be a, a, a top target to watch. And you know, you have. Um, Outside hitters from Texas and and middle blockers from Texas are are going to be a big focus as well. I think um, Texas is kind of the trend right now for the class of 2026 with with the Skyline clubs and and uh, and TAV and and programs like that. So you're looking at middle blocker like Keone Williams, um, outside hitters like Kenley Anderson and, and Hallie Thompson, um, and so. Those are players who were at the the top tier of the 15s uh, this year, and you know they're already you know projecting themselves among among the top tier in in the class of 2026. And I think um, you know it's it's bound to be quite a recruiting battle when you're going deep into Texas. Um, but I think that's a chance that that Nebraska is going to be willing to take, and so I think that's the the place to look for aside from. Um, the persisting legacy connection with with Gabby DeVita at the outside hitter position. Well, there you go, Austin. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time and talking to volleyball with me. All right. Thanks so much. That was Austin Kingsley of PrepDig.com. You can follow Austin on Twitter at KingsleyATK as well as PrepDig. This is going to wrap up this uh I guess, podcast or video or whatever else uh, of Nebraska volleyball recruiting. I have been your host, Jeff Ekstrom. You can check out all of our volleyball coverage at nebraska.rivals.com. Check out our Twitter at Nebraska Rivals. And of course, if you're watching this on YouTube, subscribe uh, and like this video on our YouTube page at Inside Nebraska. Thank you so much, everyone. We'll catch you later.